This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. Hi, I'm David, a school founder and CEO, a mindfulness teacher, and leadership coach. This is a podcast for paradigm shifters just like you ready to reignite the flames of passion that drew you into education in the first place. You're ready to live in flow, lead with love, and be the fullest version of the change maker you've always dreamed of. Then join me as I break down the mindfulness, leadership, and life teachings that have completely changed my life, while also speaking with guests whose wisdom have inspired new ideas and transformation across the globe. Join me on the journey of becoming a mindful education warrior. Hey, everyone. I'm super excited to have Linda Ryden on the podcast today. She shares her experience teaching mindfulness since 2003, two kids, and how this led her to launch her nonprofit organization, Peace of Mind. Linda's work helps children apply mindfulness and neuroscience to notice and manage their emotions, build positive relationships, and skillfully handle real-life challenges. So all the things we're working on as adults, she works on with children. She believes in the transformative power of mindfulness to help children become happier, more successful human beings who care about themselves, about each other, and about making the world a more fair and just home for us all. In this conversation, we discuss how her time teaching mindfulness has allowed her to fully embody the practices in her daily life. So that's where we have some really great tidbits that you're going to learn from Linda. And we're also going to talk about the brain science around the amygdala, the hippocampus, the prefrontal cortex, and how this knowledge can help you understand how to manage your emotions and your daily life. And also the concept of metacognition, which helps you recognize your state of being, your emotions, and then how to use these skills in your daily life to become a better educator, leader, and overall human being. So we speak about this and much, much more, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited today to be here with Linda. Hi, Linda. Nice to have you. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for coming. And I wanted to just kind of jump right in here and start with the first question for you, which is, why did you start peace of mind, which the listeners heard about in the, in the introduction. And, you know, what happened when you began to introduce mindfulness into your conflict resolution lessons? So I started peace of mind about 20 years ago. I was, um, I was a music teacher and, um, my, uh, teaching at my kids elementary school. And it was right after nine 11. And, you know, it was, it was a, a scary, unstable time. And, um, and I really started feeling like there, there was really something missing in the curriculum that that there was no time for the kids to think about 
how they treated each other and to think about sort of peace in the world in general and to think about think you know things beyond their little world and um i started to teach classes in conflict resolution because we had at that time a pretty big problem with fighting at our school mm-hmm. and, and this is a big um elementary school in washington dc yeah and uh and parents and teachers, everybody was really worried about behavior. It was a really big problem. And so I started to think that like what we could do is focus on conflict resolution. Yeah. And so I started to teach what I thought were great lessons about conflict resolution. I had read a lot of books and I you know, I felt really prepared for this. And yeah. in class, the kids could act out skits and they, they understood intellectually how to work out a conflict. Right. And yet they would still go out to the, um, playground every day and get in fights. Mm. And, and this has kept happening. And I was like, God, these kids are getting so much training in conflict resolution. How could they still be getting into fights? Right. So I realized that, you know, something had to be wrong with what I was doing. And, um, one day, uh, some kids got into a fight at recess and they got sent to me to help them work it out. And they came in and they were all mad and red faced. And, and I was like, guys, you know, what's wrong? Like, why didn't you use any of your conflict resolution skills? Yeah. And they were just like, Miss Redden, we were so mad. You know, we couldn't think, right. couldn't remember what you said. And I was <laughs> like, why? You know, I just didn't know. This was a long time ago. You know, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about brain science then. I didn't know much about mindfulness. And so I realized that what was really missing from my lessons was, teaching kids how to calm themselves down, like even to recognize that they were getting angry and then yes. calm themselves down. And so I went back to all the conflict resolution curriculums that I was using. And I was like, and in, in pretty much every book was like, step one, calm down. Step two, you know, and there was nothing right. in step one. And so I was like, that's oh, okay, that's not helpful. <laughs> so I really, so I started thinking more about what would help. Um, and I, I had friends who practiced mindfulness and meditation. I knew, I didn't really know people who taught it to kids then, but I was sort of thinking like, this is something I should learn about eventually. And uh, so I started thinking that maybe that was what would help. And so I spent a summer taking some classes and reading a lot of books and, and learned, you know, some basics about mindfulness and decided to just dive in and start teaching, um, to my, uh, students in the fall. And this was probably 15 years ago. So people really weren't talking about mindfulness. So, and I, I taught in a, my school at that point was kind of an open format school. So there were no walls. (laughs) And so, so I'm like over here trying to teach mindfulness and the class next to me is, you know, <laughs> band and it was really, really hard, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but the kids loved it. Um, like right away, I was so nervous. I thought like, they're not going to yeah. like it. They're going to think it's stupid. And they really loved it. I felt like just the very like simple practices, like it was just like they knew that they needed it and they were just all. Right. And so that really started to change the behaviors that we were seeing at the school. Like suddenly, not suddenly, but like over a few months, let's say, we started to notice that there were less fights and the kids actually were using the conflict resolution skills and they just 
weren't getting into as many conflicts. We used to have uh, something called a refocus room, which was basically detention. And and, uh, kids would get sent there during recess if they were in trouble. And there would be a teacher on duty in that room and kids would go there and, you know, talk about what they did. And after a few months, the teacher on duty was like, I'm not doing anything. There are no kids here. We, like, mm-hmm. And so we closed it. Um, and so it was really, it was really that dramatic. And so I, you know, I start, so I really realized that without the ability to just really to have simple awareness of your feelings and like your body and how your body feels yeah. when you're angry and, yeah. and some skills to, to calm yourself down, trying to, to resolve conflicts is really kind of ridiculous. Like you just can't do that. And so, so, you know, a couple of years went by where I was like, well, this is great. And then I started wondering like, why does this work? I don't really understand how, what's happening. And so I started to read the work of um, Dan Siegel and Rick Hansen and people who were writing about the brain. And, and I have a, you know, like a very rudimentary understanding of the brain, but, but that idea of, um, have you seen like the hand model thing where they, you know, they say like, you know, this, your amygdala. Oh yeah. You know, the part of your brain that's sort of like your security guard. And this is your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that's like the thinking part. So yeah. when you're when your amygdala thinks you're in danger, it takes over your brain and absolutely. Uh, Dan yeah. Siegel calls this flipping your lid, right? Right. So, Which is why the kids could not actually exactly. remember your conflict resolution because they were in fight or flight and they were exactly. In, yeah. I was like, I when I read that, I was like, oh my god, it's exactly what happened, right? They, yes. The kids were like. We can't think. We can't remember. And I was like, oh, because your prefrontal <laughs> cortex and your hippocampus have been basically turned off yep. by your amygdala, which just wants to fight. Yep. And in that, you know, in those cases. And so I, I was like, this is amazing. I got to teach the kids about this. Yeah. And uh, I actually, that's really why I wrote my first children's book, yeah. um, Rosie's Brain, because I loved to teach through uh, children's stories and and I looked everywhere and I couldn't find anything that was written about the brain um, that wasn't just like a manual kind of. A, right. So I, I usually in this in my classes make up skits and things for the kids to act out. So I, uh, I had come up with a little skit about um, a, a little girl who gets into a conflict um, with her mother and then she gets really mad and she runs up to her room and in her room is basically her amygdala, her hippocampus and her prefrontal cortex. And she meets them, understands what they do. They kind of help her understand what happened. Nice. And then she works out her conflict. Yeah. And uh, that, so for my students and for me, that was just life-changing information, you know, because we're, we're so taught that that anger is like a character flaw and that, yes. you know, losing your temper it's your fault and something that you, you know, you, you just can't do. And, you know, I'm like, we know like kids often have really good reasons to be angry. Um, You know, it's not like, you know, I didn't get the kind of cupcake I want, but like, you know, a lot of kids are living in dangerous situations and, and unjust situations. Like they have a reason to be really angry. Yeah. And during the pandemic, like kids were, acting up, you know, and I'm like, well, of right. course they are. So, 
having that um, access to understanding what was happening in their brain allowed them to, to see what was happening, understand that it wasn't their fault that their amygdala right. was trying to protect them, but, but also take some responsibility. Like, okay, I, if I know that this is what my amygdala is doing, then I have these skills, these mindful breathing skills that I can use to calm down. And once my prefrontal cortex is in charge, then I can figure out what do I need to do? How do I advocate for myself? Um, or, or, you know, in the, if I just didn't get the cupcake I wanted, how do I just get over it? Or right. how do I come to a, some kind of compromise in this conflict? Or how do I really advocate for what I think is an injustice? And, you know, you can't do that with your amygdala. Right. So, so, so getting back to my program, like the, the, what had started out as conflict resolution, I really had to kind of back up and realize that they needed to learn mindfulness skills and brain science in order to really grasp and use the, the conflict resolution lessons. And so then they all kind of made sense. And the stuff about sort of working out the conflict became kind of the least important stuff that I was right. teaching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, they were all like, oh, sure, we can take turns or whatever. <laughs> but if you don't understand how the conflict escalates and how to de-escalate it, then you, you're really lost, right? And and we see this every day, right? In our in our culture, so I, so that was really kind of the the beginning of um of what became peace of mind, and and then you know, and then as I started to teach mindfulness, I learned that there was just so much more to it. That you know, oh, yeah. the the ability to calm down was just the tip of the iceberg, and right? And so as I learned, you know, compassion practices and the power of compassion practices, and I started teaching those to my students and I could just see the transformation in the way they treated each other and the way they treat themselves. And um, when I started to learn about, you know, metacognition and, and focusing practices and stuff, I started to teach those. And people were like, you're teaching these practices to elementary school kids. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Absolutely. Um, you know, and they <laughs> love it. Because <laughs> they, they, they love learning about themselves and they love, you know, we, we just sit there and we're like, what's your brain doing? It, I mean, it's fascinating yeah. Yeah. to actually notice what your brain is doing. Um, I would tell them, you know, they're never going to be bored again because there's always something happening up right. there that you can pay attention to and go, wow. Um I, I wrote a book about that. I wrote a book about metacognition um, and about the way I teach that is to think about your mind as like a, sort of like a little TV over your head mm -hmm. and you have like a remote control and you might decide that you're going to watch the, um, you know, the listen to the teacher channel, but your mind might just pick up the remote and change the channel to the what's for lunch channel. And you might not even notice it. And meanwhile, you've missed everything that the teacher was saying right. while you were thinking, you know, lovingly about the pizza that was waiting for you. And, yeah. and so, and kids really like that concept because it happens to them all the time and of course. it happens to everybody. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'll be teaching, you know, I know everybody's had this experience when you're a teacher, like you're, you know, you're looking out in the class and you, and you can just tell some kids are just like, Checked out. <laughs> you know, and so like sometimes I'll call, you know, and so now I can kind of call them out in a loving way to say like, hey, what channel are you on right now? And they're like, 
gives you a framework yeah yeah it's almost like everybody get the you know turn your channel back to the mr rising (laughs) channel let's try it again you know but really normalizing that too yeah so those are the kinds of things that i teach every day and we just apply those mindfulness skills to everything including social justice issues which um are a great (laughs) mindfulness is such a great tool and a great support for talking about and working on social justice, you know, compassion practices are so crucial to not, you know, to not blame yourself or blame right. other people. Um, and to, and the metacognition skills are so helpful to, to recognize, you know, your own implicit bias and, and right. to like see what you think about people and wow, why do I think this when I see that person? Right. Right. And then you can question those thoughts and, decide, you know, am I thinking my thoughts or am I thinking my family's thoughts or the culture's yeah. thoughts? And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was a long answer. To no, that. that's okay. It was, I mean, you're talking about like how you launched an organization and how you started teaching. It's a big, it's a big question, it's but you know, I'd love, so I, I don't think it was too long. It was, it was perfect. I wanted to know though, you mentioned compassion practices and just tell us like a few that you share with the kids for people that are listening. Yeah, so we do, um, we often do a practice uh, that uh, that we call heartfulness, um, just a, like a lo- some people call it loving kindness. Because I'm a public school teacher, I don't use any language that could sound at all Buddhist or whatever. Right, right. And which, you, and you totally don't need to, it's not everything I teach is totally secular. Right. But um, so we, you know, we just think, kind thoughts about people. And, uh, and I like to, I've tried a lot of different ways of teaching that practice with kids. Some kids are, you know, just love it. And some kids are, you know, a little more about the, the, um, you know, the, the more gooey parts of mindfulness. And, but so I like to talk about it as an experiment and that we're just trying to notice what happens in our bodies and our minds and our hearts when we say these words right. uh, and think them about a person, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it's like, there's no way that you're supposed to feel. I think when I first started, I was a little bit like, I want everybody to feel, you know, good and right, right, loving. Right. And, and I was like, well, so now I like to talk about it more as an experiment. Like, so if you, if you, if it doesn't make you feel good, that's fine. If it, if it makes you feel weird, that's fine. If you feel nothing, that's fine. If you don't want to do it, of course, that's always an option. Like I never make the kids, um, they, they always have to sit with us and engage in a mindful moment, but right. what they are doing here is completely up to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just the, but the basic practice of just thinking about somebody and, you know, may you be happy, may you be healthy, yeah. may you be peaceful. Um, and, and I really like to talk about why compassion practices are so important and that I had a, I had a, all the kids at my school take my class from pre-K to fifth grade. And, oh. and so most of them have been there in my class for a really long time. Yeah. And the, but this past year, we, we got a bunch of uh, kids. We had a, there's a waiting list at our school. And so we were able to take a bunch of kids off the waiting list. So we had a bunch of new fifth graders. Okay. 
And so they kind of came in, they were all from different schools and, you know, here they're walking into peace class and everybody just sits down and they're meditating. And these kids were like, what? You know? And, um, and it, you know, it was going like pretty well. And I had, um, you know, a few kids who were a little skeptical, but when I introduced the heartfulness practice, the compassion practice, um, I said, you know, we're going to just think kind thoughts about people and notice what it feels like. And this one kid was like, okay, I got to stop you right there. Like, he's like that. No. Uh, and, he, and he goes like, he goes, I just can't with all this rainbow and unicorn stuff. It's <laughs> too, too cringe. You know? And, you know, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I actually, I'm not about the rainbows and unicorns either. You know, I was like, I was like, what we're doing in this class is trying to change the world. You know, I was like, we're talking about love as like a radical act and yes. like trying to encourage to love yourself and to love other people that you don't like, you know, that you don't yeah. know. Um, like we're not like love isn't going to change the world, but we're not going to change the world without love. And right. so, but it takes, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like, people learn how to hate other people and like yes. it's, we can learn to love other people and, but it really does take practice. So I was like, this is what we're doing. We're just, pra we're practicing this kind of radical love. Right. And he was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. You know? And so he was like, let's do it. You know? And so then everybody was kind of bought in again, but I think it, you know, I think one of the dangers of teaching mindfulness to kids is that it can get very adorable and, precious right. and in my experience kids don't like that and right. they tend to especially as they get a little bit older they just shy away or certain kids are into it but the majority of the kids aren't so i don't do any there are no rainbows and unicorns and right that. right <laughs> but i mean i feel like it's it's you know it's for as adults it's something we can use in our daily lives and so it's the same for kids. Like you're, you're gonna, you're like you were saying in the beginning, you know, just recognizing that you're angry, yeah, and then feel kind of understanding, like, okay, now I got to calm down. That's that doesn't have to be, you know, rainbows and unicorns. That's just like you're saying, it's like brain science, and, exactly. And you were also sharing how it's like, you know, when you first started this out, people weren't really talking about mindfulness, and now I feel like it's kind of having its moment in a lot of different spaces, not just education where people are just like talking about, I remember I was at this big education conference and we were in an Uber and it was like this big funder was in the Uber with me or whatever. And so I was like kind of nervous, you know, and then somehow my phone just went on and it was like a guided meditation. And I was like, Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't, I didn't, you know, and then like everyone in the car was like, I meditate too. And I meditate. And I was like, Oh, okay. Apparently this is mainstream now. I was trying yeah. to hide it, you know? Um, so I feel like it's becoming more and more common that people I think are talking so. about it. I think so, which is, which is great, you know, and, yeah. um, and I think, I mean, that's why I really like, I want people to check out our curriculum because I've been doing this for so long. Like, I think I yeah. already made all the mistakes, you know, exactly. and worked it through and I've been doing this with real kids for 15 yeah. years, you know, and, and it's, you know, a lot of trial and error, um, yeah. Because we don't, so it's now, such an, it's so important. I don't want kids to be put off. Exactly. Exactly. And it sounds like, I feel like whenever you're trying to do something, I mean, it is a, I love what you said about being a radical act and you're really going against the grain, right? So, 
I mean, just, just drive on, you know, drive in your car for five minutes. <laughs> you know what the mainstream's doing. They're not sending love. No. <laughs> They're flipping birds and, you know, cutting you off. Like, right. Isn't it hilarious how the place you get the most angry is like when you're alone in your car? <laughs> oh, like, totally. I mean, why I are we doing too, this? You know, and then I'm like, oh, I'm the peace teacher. <laughs> exactly. Like, how did that happen? How did it happen? Yeah. Well, I know. When you were talking about, you know, your, your kids getting angry on the playground and stuff, I, you know, I play basketball these like, older, we're all like 40, 50, 60. And I mean, there's always conflicts, like almost every single time we play and, and all afterwards, everyone's calm. Like, sorry, so sorry. But it's like in the moment they get heated. And, you know, like you said, the brain, the fight or flight gets kicked in all of a sudden they think, you know, they're in danger and they're like, they're ready to push you and shove you and scream at you. (laughs) It's like, and they're grown men. So, you know, imagine what it's like for a 10 year old on the playground. Yeah. And nobody knows this stuff. I mean, this is what's so amazing to me that, I mean, that you could get so far in your life and not know basic information about your brain. You know, I just, I didn't know at all. I'm nothing. And I never even really thought about it that much. Um, You know, and we, we spend, you know, a lot of time worrying about like what foods we're eating and things like that. And I'm like, this is really important stuff and it affects everything you do. So, right. Well, that's why it's so great that you're teaching it to kids. And do you have, pro- you have a program for adults too, right? I think I saw that on your website. We have uh, trainings for adults who want to teach the curriculum. Okay. okay. And then we, but we also have, one of our board members is a, um, is a certified mindfulness teacher. And so he's been doing, he's been offering free mindfulness classes for educators. And, okay. Um, and which is incredibly kind. And um, so we're trying to give people every opportunity to, you know, either teach the curriculum and learn it or just learn mindfulness for their own sake. I mean, I think that, I mean, learning mindfulness was something I did for my students and it was by far the best thing I ever did for myself. And I, it completely changed the way I teach. Um, and I think about it, I mean, like every single class, I mean, and I have a lot, I teach, um, almost 700, students. And so is your class like an, I'm, I was trying to figure this, is your class like music? Or it's like an elective or whatever, like a special. Yeah. So it's, you're basically seeing all kids because everyone's getting it. Cause you said TK through five. I was like, wait, how does that work? Yeah. It's a, it's a special. So okay. everybody has art and music and PE. Okay. So you see all of them. I see all of them. <laughs> and yeah, so it's not even an elective, like they don't choose it. So it's so yeah. normalized at our school. Right. And the, you know, the kids come back from to visit like from middle school and they're like, I think kids don't know about this. Stuff. Like, yeah. I, you know, they're like, I, yeah. I asked, you know, I told somebody they, you know, their amygdala was taking over and they were like, what are we talking about? Um, I mean, they can't believe this isn't like something that everybody has. Right. Right. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I teach so many kids and it's a lot, it's a lot of people's needs and oh yeah feelings and energy to deal with it all day long. Oh, and yeah. Um, and I'm just like every day, I'm just thinking like, oh my God, thank God I know now, um, how to just take a moment and pause. And just before I react to whatever the kids are doing, I can just sort of sit back and I'll say to the kids, like, I'm going to take a deep breath because I'm, you know, getting frustrated. And, you know, it's sometimes with the older kids, you know, if 
I'll, I'll be like, wow, you know, I'm really mad. You know, and they're like, oh, Miss Ryden, you never get mad. And I'm like, oh, no, I get mad all the time. I was like, this is mindfulness. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm not screaming at you. I kind of want to, you know. <laughs> you know? And, but it, like that, I, I wasn't that kind of teacher before. But, right, right. You know, okay, I, so then you started teaching, my, so did you, when did you start using the practices for yourself? Was it like after you started teaching them or around the same time? Uh, yeah, I learned, I, I started learning and practicing like a couple of months before I started teaching the kids. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then you started teaching it and okay. And then I'm assuming that you just really started embodying it and living it. And yeah. now you're, you know, doing it just without even thinking probably. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the embodying it is really the thing. I think like, that's why I feel like even if people aren't able to teach mindfulness to their kids, if they have their own practice, it's going to be so much better for the kids. Like, I just think that that's like the most important thing people can do is, and and I don't think it has to be such a big deal. You know, I think people have these big expectations of how much they're going to meditate every day. Right. Um. And I, I mean, to me, like a, a small amount every day really, really makes a difference. Yes. And then, I mean, then research shows that. And, yeah, um, and so I think that, you know, people shouldn't be intimidated by the idea of like, oh, this is something else. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't do anything else like for my well being on a regular basis. Like, I'm just not right. that, that right. disciplined in my life, but I definitely, do this. And this I, is, yeah. and even if it's like 10 minutes, you know, I like yeah. to do this. And yeah. if I don't, I can just sort of feel myself kind of starting yes. to, you know, my like molecules start to kind of come yes. undone. And, yes. uh, and I'll some, you know, sometimes just between classes, um, but getting to do it with my students, even though I don't, I don't close my eyes and, you know, get right. involved in the practice because I'm taking care of them. Yeah. Um, even just sitting there with them, I'm still in in the moment with them, and yes. that is, and it's just enormously calming and helpful. And I think if they when they see me model it, you know, and I'm like, I you know, I'm about to flip my lid. I need right. to take some deep breaths. And sometimes I'll yeah. do it, you know, very dramatically to get, right, you know, right, just, I'm going to take deep breath, you know? Um, you know, and then they're like, oh, look at her, she's taking deep breath. Um, but then, you know, I feel like they're going to remember that, you know, yes. just the way they yes. would remember if I, you know, lit into them about something. So right, 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 right. Um, I want to be a counterbalance to that. Yeah. You know? But what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, you're not, because I, I hear this all the time, like around oh, well, like, could you teach me how to meditate? Or like, what do you do? And typically where it goes, where it stops is that there's then an expectation because we're, you know, the West. So we have to have like goals and expectations and all these things. It's like, we have to make meditation something that's achievement based. So then it's like, I have to get good at it. I have to do it right. Right. And so then immediately you're like, I'm going to try it for five minutes or 20 minutes, or I'm going to listen to this, you know, calm app or whatever. And then um, immediately you're like, I didn't do it right. Like yeah. I was fidgeting or whatever. And then you don't do it again because you think that you're trying to achieve something. And what I'm hearing you say is like, just do it for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you in between classes for a minute. I always talk about, you know, like when I'm, I, I actually, when I was really getting into meditation, when I was a principal, I would literally meditate in the janitor's closet. 
like before <laughs> yeah. school started, like yeah, before yeah. all the parents arrived and I was saying hello to the kids and the families. It's like, I didn't know where else to go because my office would always be invaded by somebody. So I would just basically <laughs> so go up there where nobody would go and I'd close the yeah. door because we have a second floor. And it was like maybe seven minutes. And then I'd walk down those stairs and I could just greet everybody and I'd be like so calm. And it doesn't take, you know, four hours or 40 minutes. It's no. it's just something you use throughout your day. Yeah. And it just becomes, and then you said you normalized it for your classroom, but as I'm hearing you speak, you've normalized it for yourself. Totally. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, I, I always, I was one of those people who thought I could never do that. I, you know, I, I right. had a couple of friends who meditated and then I was, I could never do that. And, oh, you know, I have too many thoughts, you know, like, you know, people always think that. And, and once you actually start to learn about mindfulness, you're like, oh, everybody has, you know, like, I think I read like 50,000 thoughts oh, a yeah, day. You know, I was like, it's yeah. not, it's not you. Yeah, most of them you know? are negative, I think, is the research. Oh my God, I know. Tons are negative, yeah, majority. <laughs> right? yeah. um, but, you know, I think everybody thinks they're unique in that and, you know, yeah. they're not. And that the yeah. goal is not to clear your mind. Yes. You're not going to stop your thoughts. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I've so many people have said that to me and I'm like, I know that's what I thought too. Like I thought that was what people were doing. It's like, no. And, and I, I mean, you could never sit down and try to do that with kids. Like we're going to clear it. So the idea that what we're doing is really just trying to get to know our own mind and exactly. like, Oh, look what my mind does. Oh, that's, an, you know, Oh, your mind does this. My mind does that. You know, like they sit around and yeah. they talk about the, you know, they'll do like a, practice where they're trying to count their breaths and just noticing if their mind changed the channel. And they're just like, Oh, I was in Chicago. Oh, I was, you know, <laughs> playing a video game. I was eating a sandwich and, you know, and, they, yeah. and it's so funny, but they don't now, now they don't think it's bad, you know, like they, right. they haven't yes. failed at mindfulness because their mind got distracted from what they were yeah. thinking about, you know, I'm always like a, a moment of metacognition is like, a, like, yay, you know, I, yes. oh, wow, look, I just noticed what my mind was doing. Hardly anybody does that, right? Everybody's going through life in this. Oh, yeah. Fog, right. Yeah. And so when you ever you can notice and go like, ah, there you go, there you go. Um, that's, that's like a celebration. It's not a failure. Yes. It took me a while to figure out to figure that out. And it took me a while to figure out how to teach that. And yes. like when I did, that really changed the way they were able to receive that practice. And now they really like doing that practice. Whereas before, I think they did feel like, well, I counted the most breaths, you know, right. and I didn't count my finger. <laughs> right. You know, um, and I, I wrote a book about that, about worrying. It's called Quinn and the Worry Channel. And, and it's about a kid who can't sleep because he's just you know, obsessing about all the things that he's worrying about. And this is very personal to me because I was like the big thing that was um, paining me in my life was just a constant worry. And, and it was such a revelation to learn that worrying was an option. (laughs) You know, I just, I, you know, I've come from a long line of worriers and I just thought that was what everybody was doing. And this idea that you could, notice that you're worrying and think, mm. hmm, do I want to keep doing this? Right. No. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe it's helpful for a little while, but then after a while, it's definitely not. And so I could start to, you know, change the channel yep. in my mind away from the worry channel. I mean, that 
really changed my life. I mean, I still, you know, I mean, I'm not like you still worry, but it's still, but I, yeah, yeah, I still worry, but I'm like, I know that I'm doing it and I can kind of put a limit on it or I can say, and my sister always says, uh, you have to sort of schedule worry. She's like, you know, if she's, if she's got like a doctor's appointment coming up or something that she's worried, she's like, I'm not going to worry about that until 15 minutes before. Right. That's so smart. Yeah. And so she, you know, she notices herself, you know, she's like, oh, no, no, it's not time for that. I have that scheduled for right. 45. You know, like that kind of awareness is just so helpful and it can just make you, make your life a lot easier. Well, yeah. And, you know, one of the reasons I started the podcast, I was telling you this before we hit record is because I feel like the last three years, I mean, you've been teaching for, for a long time. Right. And I've heard so many people say like, this is the last, this is the worst three years that we've ever had. Oh. And it's like, for me, this is the time. Like, if you're not sure if you want to start mindfulness practices, like now's the time because it yeah. is really rough out there and people are really struggling and it's been hard and the kids are struggling. The adults are struggling. The families are struggling. Like it's just from a mental health and just emotional perspective you know, people are really struggling. So, you know, what, what do you recommend for teachers that are teachers, educators, whatever role you're playing in the school in this, around this time with mindfulness? Yeah. I mean, just try it. Like, I I think, um, I mean, it's even been hard at my school to get people, you know, my colleagues to try it. And, um, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very good at teaching kids, but I'm not, experience teaching adults. So when I, you know, I tried to do like some classes in the mornings for adults and I mean, it was was okay, but, um, but I do think that a lot of classes for adults throw people in the deep end way too early. Uh, Yes. You know? And so I kind of wish that people would take more of an approach. Like I'm taking with kids. Yeah. with, With adults. I mean, there's, there's nothing that I'm teaching kids that isn't you know, it's basically the same exact it's the same stuff, I was but it's like, harder for, for the adults, right? right. Because we have oh, more yes. baggage and conditioning yeah. and worries. Yeah. And so gotta yeah. be done differently. One of my favorite teachers is Jeff Warren. Do you know mm-hmm. Jeff Warren yeah. in, in Toronto? And, and on the, he does a, a little 10 minute daily, it's called the daily trip on the calm app. Okay. And, and it's so bite-sized and he's, he, He's a, he's a lovely, lovely, wonderful person. Um, but he's also very funny and irreverent. And so the way he talks about mindfulness, really, it, like I was really drawn to him because it was so similar to the way I was teaching the kids. Like, yes. not, not in a precious, serious like way, but, right, right. you know, like real talk down to yeah. and yeah. And that's the way he teaches. And... And he can completely go in the deep end and do that stuff with you, but he's really, really good at making mindfulness seem very approachable and easy. And they, people call him like the MacGyver of mindfulness because he can always like figure out like, well, if you if you think there's no time in your day, like me, right. get it in here, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know. And so I think like I would really recommend people just check that out because it's yeah, so great. it's just so it's just demystified, you know, yes. I mean, I, yeah. there's so many wonderful teachers out there. And if like, you're into that kind of deep end stuff, like there is so much out there, but I think that we need to make it more accessible to people, especially yeah. if we want to encourage educators to do this. Like they just don't have any time or they don't have time yeah. or anything. 
Yeah. And so it has to be something that you could do, you know, like, you know, five minutes in the janitor's closet. Yeah, exactly. It sounds really appealing, <laughs> so, you know, like that's good. <laughs> the nice thing I think about peace of mind is that it gives you a chance to learn mindfulness while you're also doing something for your students, which, you know, yes. of course, educators, like that's what we're there for. Like we right, care right. so much about the kids. So you're giving them something. I never yeah, would have done this for myself. Like right. this, I was yeah. there to give them something. And then I turned out to be the, you know, the person who was getting the most out of yeah. it. Yeah. And so I just I keep saying to people like this, that's the best thing I ever did for myself as a teacher. And there's a wonderful book called mindfulness for teachers by Tish Jennings. Okay. And, um, and she was a teacher for a long time and she was a teaching coach and, and she wrote this book about incorporating mindfulness into the classroom for teachers and how mindfulness helps teachers. And it's so good and it's so helpful. And reading that really just changed like a lot of the ways that I approach teaching. It's like, it's really about teaching in a mindful way. Right, right. Right. It just makes it easier. And I just yeah. feel like, you know, we can't, nobody's going to make it easier for teachers. Like nobody is taking no. anything no. off of our plates. Like, no. And it's, which is, that's a whole nother podcast. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, like this is a little stealth thing that you can do for yourself and for your students. Yeah. That will make everything better. And we tried to write our curriculum so that you could break it up in, you know, I, I teach 45 minute lessons. So it, yeah. it's written yeah. that way. But the expectation is that you could take the beginning part and teach it on Monday and then this yeah. part, teach it on Wednesday, teach that part do a daily mindful moment for like two minutes. Yeah. You know, two minutes of mindfulness with a bunch of kids can completely change what's happening in a classroom. Like just completely change the energy. I have a, I have a recess duty with the fourth graders Mm -hmm. and it's nuts out there. Like they're just, they're, (laughs) I think they just still haven't recovered from not being together. And so they're just like, that's what's like going the energy on. Energy yeah. is nuts. And so, and then they all have to funnel through this one skinny door to get back in. And there's like, I don't know, 150 of them. <laughs> and they're all hot and, or, you know, pushing it. Oh, yeah. And one day it was just too much. I was like, there's no way we can even go through this door. And I was like, I was like, everybody, I'm like, yeah, like, everybody, take three deep breaths. And I thought, you know, at any other school in America, that would have been like, and all the kids were like, they were still like, you know, but you could feel the energy change. Like suddenly they could fit through the door, you know, and yes. they get up the stairs and get back into their classrooms. And it's, it's so powerful and it's so simple. It's so simple. And that story you just told, I mean, so as the teacher, who was I talking to the other day, they were saying that, oh, when they were walking from, oh, it's, it's Lindsay who's going to be on. I'll tell you, I'll tell you more about that. But another person I interviewed, but, but she said when she's walking down the hall for like 30 seconds to 45 seconds from like one class to the next or one break, she's always using her mindfulness practices. And yeah. so it's like throughout her busy day, there's like 30 seconds here, two minutes here. One of it. But that story is so powerful of everyone taking the deep breath, because what I'm envisioning here is like busy educators that are, they need to just take a deep breath, you know? And what you said about not when you ask them to teach it to kids, then all of a sudden they'll do it, right? We'll do anything yeah. for our kids. Yeah. But when you ask them to like 
use compassion practice on themselves or practice self-love or whatever. It's like, oh, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's like my biggest challenge with the podcast is like, how do I get these amazing educators that give so much to their communities and their kids and everybody, but yet like I can't get them to give to themselves because it just feels like if they figured that out, we all figured it out. Then, yeah. you know, you become a better teacher, a better leader or whatever, you know? Well, I'll put all the stuff in teachpeaceofmind.org just in case people don't go to the show notes. And then I feel like they can find everything there, but I will put your social media stuff in there and the books. And then there's a few different, I'd like to put in any resources people mentioned. So you mentioned a few different authors and teachers, different people. So I'll put that in there for everyone too. But thank you so much for taking the time today. And I really appreciate it. It was great to learn all about this really cool stuff you're doing and I think people that listen listening will, you know, be able to benefit in so many different ways. So thank you for taking the time today. Yeah, it was my pleasure. So fun to talk to somebody who <laughs> who isn't looking at me like, huh. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I understand. <laughs> yes, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Linda. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Education Warrior podcast. I want you to know that every guest and listener is a value part of this co-creation. We're so honored that you listened and we hope that this helped you in some small or big way today. This is a community and a movement and without you, it wouldn't be possible. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to davidkrichards.com where you will find special offers for podcasts. And as always, if you're moved by an episode, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Finally, our greatest compliment is when you share an episode with someone who you believe will benefit from the message. I'm sending you so much love today and the courage to really be the mindful warrior within you. Thank you. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.